If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. You can support this show at patreon.com slash ASA podcasting. Welcome, you fellow Skyrim addicts, to the second episode of our scholarly podcast, the Skyrim Addicts Academy. Now, During our first lesson, as was only appropriate, we covered the game's namesake topic, which was the Elder Scrolls themselves. Now, in an attempt to fully understand the Elder Scrolls in its entirety is a fool's errand and has driven many a person, in-game and out-of-game, completely mad and insane. Yeah, I hope that uh, me and my uh, past co-host, Michael, did manage to give you a brief introduction and insight into what the Elder Scrolls actually are. Unfortunately, we did manage to keep our sanity during the process of our studies, although, I mean, the jury may still be out on that one. However, I think pushing on, as we uh, go on with the Elder Scrolls Addict Academy series, it'd be better off to give these lessons, as I'm uh, going to now refer to them as lessons, uh, a more structured uh, process. Of course, there are many different aspects of the Elder Scrolls lore that we'd like to to, um, like to cover. And certainly, as I research and uh, study more of the Elder Scrolls lore, I find many a topic I'm oh, eager, itching to know more and more and more about. From characters, history events, politics, economics, magic, weapons, uh, geography religion the list goes on and on and on i mean we can look at everything from uh the solar system to the elder scrolls right uh, and the planets that populate it right down to the very small tiny details on the best recipes to bake a sweet roll and hopefully in time we'll be covering all of these topics so as i mentioned uh there is um Certainly a uh, detailed list of topics, or classes, uh, uh, I'll be calling them, to which we can approach uh, the Elder Scrolls lore, such as geography, history, politics, economics. And through personal preference, I believe the first topic that we intend to cover is uh, the geography of the Elder Scrolls. Now, of course, we all all know Tamriel Tamriel itself quite well, having played through well, if you have, having played through Morrowind and Oblivion and Skyrim, you can, can become quite familiar with the land. But, of course, <laughs> um, the map doesn't uh, stop at Tamriel. There's the whole planet of Nern, uh, which is full of continents. And um, we can even go in more in-depth on Tamriel, which is what I intend to do with the geography class first. We intend to look at all nine provinces that populate Tamriel, but of course we can't do so without looking at the big picture in the first in the first place. So when it comes to studying that Elder Scrolls map, we must first pay respect to the biggest section of all, the Empire of Tamriel. 
So that's what we're going to be taking a look at in today's lesson. And of course, I've got a, a new co-host with me today, and I'd just like to introduce my friend Colin. Hi, guys. Uh, it's good old uh, Colin, you've heard from the uh, previous roundtable episodes, I'm sure. And Colin's going to take it away with the names and geographical information of the Empire of Tamriel. Yeah, so, um, well, I'm going to start off and just uh, give you um, like the, the basic outline of uh, the geography of uh, Tamriel to start off with before we get really stuck into it. Um, so uh, I'm going to have to uh, try my hardest, and you're going to have to forgive our ignorance about uh, the, some of the names of the regions and the places and the names here, but... Uh, they, uh, they, they definitely they don't, like. They don't always roll off the tongue. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they definitely like to give you a challenge. Let's say, uh, at least in game, you can pause it for 20 minutes when you're trying to uh, pronounce something. But here in a podcast, we don't have that luxury. So, uh, let's see. Tamriel is one of uh, several continents that uh, can be found on the planet of Nern. Uh, some of the other continents being Atmora and Yukuda. Akavir, and then one that I personally haven't heard of before is Pyandonia. Uh, I probably butchered that in about a million different ways. <laughs> it, could, it could even be a silent P, we never know, yeah. Yeah, so it'd be silent D. It could actually be pronounced Frank, for all we know, but each to the row. But uh, Tamriel itself is by far, obviously, the most important because it's, well, it's where all the games are set. And uh, Tamriel itself actually goes by a few other names. Uh, in the Azmiri language, uh, it's spoken in the homeland of the elves. It's also known as Dawn's Beauty. And in the now dead language of the Nern Aelonifex, it is now known as, it's also known as... Uh, that was good, that was good. You tackled that one quite well. Uh, I was just going to try and like, breeze past it and say pronounce it with confidence so everybody would agree with me. <laughs> uh, but in the Nern Enoflex, it is of Enof, Elon Fex, um, is also known as Starry Hearts. Um, both very sweet and poetic, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, they, they, they are rather romantic. I mean, obviously I think there is uh, many an aspiring poet uh, within the past and future of uh, the Elder Scrolls lore. Yeah, yeah, you can just imagine them uh, surrounded by um, 30 dead bears and a couple of wolves. <laughs> dead bandits, and he's sitting there in front of his campfire looking at the stars. Uh, waxing lyrical, <laughs> yes, about the beauty of Skyrim. I mean, I yeah. certainly found myself stopped amidst uh, a bandit camp with corpses strewn about me only to gaze up at the stars. And think, of, think back to the dear old starry heart that Tamriel is. <laughs> yeah, uh, but... Uh, Let's not forget the uh, the true language of love, of course, uh, and that's uh, in the dragon tongue. It's also known as Tazokan. Very <laughs> beautiful. Tazokan. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're trying to summon something that it's going to eat somebody's face. <laughs> well, I mean, as uh, as we've experienced um, whilst playing Skyrim, anything pronounced in the dragon tongue can often have devastating effects. Uh, you know, breathe fire, whirlwind sprint, all, all sorts of uh, different mystical abilities are on offer. I'm not too sure uh, what Tazokar might manifest if actually spoken in Tamriel itself. 
Yeah, you'd probably uh, turn into turn the entire place into New Vegas or something like that if <laughs> you said it too loudly. Uh, transfer the whole place into oblivion or something. So I, I think we better see if somebody can mod that and see what they can do with it. I'm sure we could definitely. Yeah. So we're going to uh, continue here uh, and get into the the brass tacks. Let's say of uh, let's say of exactly what the the region is like. So. Um, it actually measures um, 12 million square kilometres in size, which is roughly uh, the same size as Europe. And it is only separated into nine different regions, uh, these being Skyrim, Hammerfell, Black Marsh, Valenwood, Morrowind, High Rock, Elsewhere, the Somerset Isles, and of course, who can forget, Cyrodiil. Uh, the old home of Mankar Cameron, mm-hmm. uh, the rather twisted leader, uh, leader of the mythic Dawn, who does mention, actually, the possibility of Tamriel being an extension of oblivion during his ramblings and preaching to his fellow mythic Dawn members. But I don't think there's too many people out there who would agree with him. Uh, nobody else seems to share his views. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I can sympathise with the views. Like, there certainly is uh, enough... Uh, I suppose weirdness. I mean, obviously, when discussing uh, mystical and fantasy realms, it can be hard to discern between what is normal and what isn't normal. But I think once you do become familiar with uh, living in Tamriel itself, it it there's, it's easy to discern what isn't quite right. And I think there's enough weird stuff going on in Tamriel uh, that you could easily see a connection to Oblivion and these other realms. It does seem a bit easy, doesn't it? It's like uh, you could just, uh, you know, fall out of bed the wrong side, or you could... Uh, <laughs> and then through an oblivion gate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, uh, I mean, it's easier probably to go into uh, find a realm of oblivion uh, in Tamriel than it is for um, you to travel 30 miles in the real world, so... I don't know. Uh, maybe he was onto something, you know. Some people say they're, they're crazy doesn't mean that they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, I am, to be honest, I I, uh, I am rather glad that we managed to dispatch him from uh, the realm of well, Cyrodiil in particular. In this case, through a plane of oblivion, he's not a man that you want uh, sticking around, particularly when he's trying to summon uh, Mayron's Dagon back to Tamriel. Yeah, uh, I am. Um, uh, Mayron's Dagon is uh, definitely the ones that you probably want to avoid when you're uh, just wandering around with a, a steel sword <laughs> and uh, a bit of leather armor. Uh, it's, um, I think it, the one interesting thing that you mentioned there was the actual scale uh, of um, Tamriel. I mean, 12 million square kilometers, roughly the same size of Europe. And when you think about how many different countries are crammed into Europe, uh, the size and scale of those nine different provinces I th- are re- is really conveyed uh, extremely well through uh, uh, the various games that we've played set within Tamriel. I mean, when you are uh, travelling across, you know, pl- plodding along either on horseback, through car, or even on foot, you really do feel like you're walking every square inch of those 12 million square miles. I mean, sometimes it just takes forever just to get from uh, one town to the other town. But I, I do feel that in the game, they do reward you for 
for your travel, so for slowly slogging from one place to the other. I mean, if you fast travel uh, within game, you get there and it's like four hours later. Where if you walk there, it'd be two hours later. And then, not to mention all the little Easter eggs you find on the way as well. And it really does add to the size and the scale of the game of how far thing, how far away things are, and how long it takes you to get there. It, it really does add to the enjoyment and the immersion of the game. I think. And I think, yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, obviously, when you actually reach a point, you can, even if you've just traversed half of the map, you can still look at the horizon and see an endless world uh, yet to explore, which is always an, uh, a lovely prospect to sink your teeth into, that's for sure. Yeah. So, um, well... I think that uh, pretty much does cover the geographical information and the names, obviously, the, of the old uh, Starry Heart or Dawn's Beauty, as Tamriels know. So why don't we uh, take a or discuss uh, the history of the realm of Tamriel? Because it seems that uh, the recorded history of Tamriel itself can be separated into four separate uh, eras, although technically there is a fifth era known as the Merethic Era, uh, which precedes these four different eras. So why don't we take a look at what happened in each of these eras. Okay, so starting, of course, with the Marathic era. During the Marathic era, the population of Tamriel simply exploded as other civilizations explored and ventured into new lands and settled down into the various regions of Tamriel. Races such as the Atramans and the Alma arrived from uh, other regions on Nern, and took up home in Skyrim and the Somerset Isles, and they eventually filtered out into the rest of Tamriel, populating the regions that we know now, such as Cyrodiil, Hammerfell, and High Rock. Now, although there are no actual human records of this taking place, the Almeri at least uh, kept some records uh, to st- uh, of this state of change that Tamriel experienced at the time. And not only this population explosion, they also chart some rather uh, mythological and strange occurrences that take place within Tamriel. Although, when you compare this to what uh, we actually experience in the present day, I'm not sure just how mythological uh, and mysterious these events can be in comparison i mean just how crazy did things get in tamriel but uh moving on into the first era then uh the first era saw mostly a power struggle between men and elves in tamriel most notable of which was the revolution uh of the enslaved humans well uh sorry the uh, humans were enslaved by the elf races and they successfully revolted overthrowing their elven masters it also saw the beginning of some powerful and well-established uh, religions. <coughs> uh, you know, uh, the, the religions that we've all no doubt experienced in games uh, for, through the Aedra and the Daedric Princes and various shrines that uh, you encounter in the game. And finally, uh, it's also during the first era where we see the extermination of the Dwemna race. Now, we've all, uh, I'm no doubt, uh, I'm sure we've pillaged our fair share of Dwemna ruins, and they always, it always does seem that those dwarves, sorry, uh, Dwemna, or dwarves as they're known to the humans, simply upped and left without uh, no word or not even a goodbye uh, or a note to say they'd simply gone fishing. 
No? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently, it, uh, the, an event took place known as the War of the Divine Heart, which uh, forced the sudden extermination of the entire Dwemer race. So, uh, do you want to take the other areas then, Colin? Sure, I'll start off there. Uh, usually with um, the first era is following the second era. I was going to go with the fourth or the twelfth era, but I thought I'd follow the, the first era with the second era. So, um, there we go. During the second era, uh, we begin to see the foundations of certain organisations that we've all come to know and love, such as uh, the Majors Guild, uh, the Dark Brotherhood, and uh, we also got a neo-cataclysmic event that takes place during the Second Era when the Daedric Prince Moloch Baal um, attempted to pull Tamriel into his Daedric realm of Cold Harbor using something known as Dark Anchors. Uh, fortunately, though, it seems that the Emperor Tiber Septim, uh, Tiber Septim was able to stop him and unite the landmass of Tamriel using a Dwemer artifact known as Numidium. Uh, I think that's uh, a was it a uh, colossal brass golem um, built by the, the Dwemer to serve as a god, uh, as found in uh, Daggerfall and Morrowind as well. Um, okay. I think uh, it also makes a little bit of a sneaky appearance um, onto Alduin's wall as well. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's I, it. Uh, the, uh, a colossal brass golem built by the Dwemner. Man, that's something that I certainly would like to experience more in the Elder Scrolls. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd also like to borrow that, uh, like take it into my next um, bandit den. You know, maybe <laughs> go to... Uh, uh, was it uh, going to uh, Pine Watch with uh, a giant brass golem and go uh, where? Well, uh, speaking of Malog Ball, uh, I'm pretty sure using his old mace would uh, have the same devastating effect as well. Uh, you, you still got that, so uh, I think you're uh, <laughs> uh, in bed with Mo- uh, with uh, Molag Ball. I think it's a uh, it's a handy tool to have. I'm not going to lie. It's, I've cleaved a fair few dragon heads off with Malog Ball with the mace. <laughs> Mace of Malak Ball. Very nice. Um, so, uh, after that, we have the third era. And the third era is an era that we may all just get to be a little bit more familiar with, as it's when the Elder Scrolls Oblivion is set. Uh, now, the third area of Tamil is often referred to as the most glorious. Uh, era to date, and they saw the rise and fall of the Septum Dynasty. Events uh, to highlight during this area would be the War of the Red Diamond, uh, and that war was fought because Ural Septum II brought into question the legitimacy of the birth of Kintria II, the ruler of the Imperial City at the time. And of course, who can forget the Oblivion Crisis, uh, during which the Dajic Prince um, Merun's Dagon, I believe, uh, hmm. entered the realm of Tamriel only to be stopped by the last living member of the S- Septon family, Martin Septon. A, ooh, uh, this is a little bit racy, the illegitimate son of <laughs> Eurus Septon Seventh. Uh, I mean, like, I suppose, uh, any um, famous and fabled... Uh, 
oh, you know, kings and queens of history of old, uh, the the septums certainly did like to get around a bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes when you're listening to the stories or reading about the stories, it's kind of like uh, watching, a, reading the, the script from a soap opera. Uh, <laughs> Just on a, a more sort of grandiose scale, being as a... <laughs> The Empire of Tamriel was at, uh, at hand rather than, you know, <laughs> possession of the Rover's Return or whatever. Yeah, so, uh, sorry for our, uh, our US listeners there. So, some <laughs> rather inside information on the popular soaps of the UK broadcast yeah. by the BBC. Yeah, j- just imagine uh, J.R. Ewing uh, and his bastard son trying to gain control of, uh, of the family business. There you go. <laughs> uh, so, um... Once uh, Mehron's Dagon was successfully cast back to the realm of oblivion by uh, Martin Septon transforming into the dragon of Akatosh, I believe, uh, which was quite an epic event in oblivion, I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, we've got to, of course, move on to the fourth and final era. Well, I say final era, it's just the present day era. I hope, I do hope it isn't the final era of Tamriel, of course. Um, right at the beginning of the fourth era, we see the uh, dissolution of the Mages Guild. Uh, no, uh, I mean, obviously, I think this is something that we're going to have to touch upon and investigate even more. But there is uh, no actual reason for the uh, uh, structural cause behind the dissolution of the Mages Guild. I guess people might have just lost interest uh, in casting magic, although I can't tell why. I mean, (laughs) obviously, uh, in Skyrim, I think the College of Winterhold does bear some resemblance, uh, well, more than uh, passing resemblance indeed to the Mages Guild of old. Um, there was also a, in the, during the early days of the fourth era a mysterious disappearance from the sky of the moons Massa and Secunda. Now, this particular event did strike fear into the heart of the Khajiit because the Khajiit uh, hold these moons to be of a particular um, spiritual importance to their entire race. Fortunately, though, when these mis- moons then mysteriously reappeared. Uh, the Thalma, you know, those tricksy old trusty Thalma, were quick to accredit themselves with the cause and re- of the returning of the moons. Cheeky little scamps. <laughs> uh, and the Kashit have uh, heralded the Thalma as their saviors ever since. It's also, of course, during this era, uh, we begin to see, well, the Empire, the powerful, uh, near indestructible uh, concrete uh, institution that was the Empire of Tamriel that we experienced during uh, the Third Era, particularly in the uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion game, well, that empire begins to fall apart. And this is mainly due to the Aldermary Dominion, a force that was becoming well-established throughout Tamriel, attacking provinces such as Hammerfell and Cyrodiil. Eventually, the Dominion, under the, uh, the command of Lord Narfin sacked the Imperial City and looted the White Gold Tower and almost brought about uh, the, uh, the entire Imperial Empire itself. It's lucky that uh, those Elder Scrolls uh, were no longer in that White Gold Tower when it was sacked, uh, having been scattered to the winds during previous eras. 
Yeah, it's those uh, tricky uh, blind monk security guards. Uh, <laughs> they, they could see trouble coming, couldn't they? They knew what That's to what do. It is. Yeah. So, um, at this point, when the Empire was nearly destroyed, well, it would have been, it had it not been for Emperor, Emperor Titus Medi the second, who signed the White Gold Concord and brought peace to the realm of Tamriel. Uh, in accordance to this White Gold Concord, uh, the worship of Talos was outlawed and the blades had to be disbanded. Now, I suppose the final event of note that takes place during the Fourth Era is, of course, the Dragon Crisis. During the Dragon Crisis, uh, the first-born son of Akatosh, Alduin the Dragon, returned (laughs) to the realm realm of Tamriel uh, with an attempt to maim and kill all those who lived there. But, of course, fortunately, he is stopped by the one, the only, Dragonborn. I know him. <laughs> I think we've come across him at some point. We, yeah, I may have run into him. <laughs> uh, he owes uh, me five bucks. <laughs> I mean, that is just a brief uh, oversight and rundown of the main events of the history that take place within Tamriel. Um, of course, and it's easy to uh, split these events into the fourth years, but of course, each era itself has had a massive effect upon the realm of Tamriel. And certainly playing the game in the present day, it's easy to see how events that took place during the uh, early days, such as the extinction of the Dwemer race, are now playing out in the current game day. It's fascinating to see how that history has carried over time and time again. Do you have any uh, thoughts on the history of Tamriel there? Yeah, so um, the, the history of Tamriel, it really does add to everything in the game because you can sit there playing a the game and your mission is to go to this place, kill this bandit leader, uh, get his head and come back again. But there's so many things that you can learn on the way, sort of like, you know, running into uh, uh, a Dwemer ruin and uh, or picking up a, a specific book and then you learn the, the history of uh, old uh, Red Eagle or anything like that. And just uh, all that wealth of history just adds to the, like the little tiny errand you were just to run down the bottom mm. of the road. I think it's, it's certainly fascinating to think that, you know, when... Um you are experiencing, like you say, just uh, performing a, a simple te- uh, a simple quest, such as uh, taking the head of a good old bandit leader. Um, you can easily imagine a fellow adventure hundreds of years prior doing exactly the same things in your footsteps when those ruins were in full bloom. Like, yeah, uh, and then I, I I loot his corpse and take his like, a really <laughs> exactly. good sword. And then, no doubt, many years down the line, somebody else will be along to meet, uh, to loot your corpse. And, hey. and so, uh, time repeats itself, time and time again, eh? <laughs> but, okay, I suppose, speaking of those, you know, those trick, tra- uh, dastardly, dastardly bandits that populate the realms of Skyrim, Tam- um, Cyrodiil, and the various different regions, we must, of course, look at the regions uh, themselves and just who lives there. So, as we've previously mentioned, Tamriel is populated by nine separate provinces, and each is home to their own unique mix of races, religions, and, of course, geographical features. So, let's start with uh, High Rock. High Rock is inhabited by the Bretons, who were uh, uh, Menmer hybrids, uh, 
on the more on the the human side, and then of course you have the Ozma or orcs, which were uh, Alzmar is for um, pariah folk. Sounds quite interesting. Um, elves that look different from the high elves are often mistaken to uh, kins, goblins, or trolls of the Ozma that live in the city of uh, Orsinium. And then, so next, moving on to Hammerfell. Hammerfell is home to the Red Cards, who are originally come from Yakunda. Uh, they are enterprising, expansive uh, expansionists traveling from the West. Though they are quite similar to men, they do not share the same um, blood as uh, the Imperials and other human races that populate Tamriel. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you'll agree, Colin, there has always been something quite different about those Red Guard races when compared to uh, the normal Imperials. Yeah, I mean, they, they have, like, a completely individual history from there. Because I think you can probably trace all the other human races back to arriving from Atmora, but uh, the Red Guards are singularly different of where this is one race of humans that just comes from Yukunda. So, yeah, I think they're completely separate from everybody else. So it's a very interesting backstory to be delved into with the Red Card, uh, certainly. So, um... Hammerfell uh, was once housed, housed a significant Dwemner population, obviously before they were extinct. It later became an Orcish territory until the landing of the Yakundan, in uh, sorry, the Yakundan being the Red Guard, in their regatta or Warrior Wave. It's from this wave the Red Guards take their name, and their swift and easy conquest of Hammerfell that earned them the reputation of the best soldiers upon none. Ooh, I've got to take issue with I'm that. Sure, I'm sure many a race would have uh, some quarrels to be had with that one. And many a time, I'm sure, swords have clashed over that argument. Or rather, maybe giant orcish battle axes have clashed with Nordic uh, great hammers <laughs> on some poor red guard's skull. <laughs> the way it should be. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to Skyrim. So, Skyrim is inhabited natively by the Nords, uh, uh, <clears throat> and before the beginning of the First Era, was populated by Snow Elves. Now, as we may or may not know, uh, the Snow Elves uh, eventually became the Falmer due to some uh, rather uh, aggressive tactics used by the Atramans. <laughs> Uh, that's a uh, very uh, diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the Nords are the only remaining uh, direct and unchanged descendants of the original human Atman settlers from across the frozen Sea of Ghosts during the Fourth Era. Now, of course, these Atmans were the cause of the uh, the poor old Snow Elves becoming the Falmer races that we all, uh, we all know and love in Skyrim. So, uh, of course. Skyrim being one of the areas that we've touched upon in-game, another one being Morrowind. So Morrowind is inhabited by the Dumna race, or you might know them more as the Dark Elves. Dark Elves, or Dumna meaning the accursed folk in the tongue of the Aldemiris. Because uh, the Dumna were turned into Dark Elves due to Azura's curse after the events of the Battle of Red Mountain. Now, Azura's curse caused the Dumna's skin to turn black and horrid and their eyes to gain that rather untrusting and uh, unnerving red tint. 
Uh, of course, uh, th- this region also once housed a large Dwemna population, and yet again, all that remains of the poor Dwemna race is their ruins. Yeah, the poor, poor Dwemer. Uh, <laughs> those no, poor no, guys. Nothing but extinction surrounding these folk. <laughs> so, do you want to do you want to tackle the uh, other regions? Yeah, there? sure. Uh, when it gets into uh, the homes of uh, mainly the uh, the beast folk, so we're getting into Black Marsh, which is mainly inhabited by the Argonians, uh, lizard people. But um, uh, there's, uh, I think there's a, a big argument on uh, whether they actually are lizards uh, on the internet. But um, they're, they're commonly looked down upon because uh, they're beast folk. Uh, for this reason, the Argonians are formerly uh, a pop- uh, they were formerly a popular slave race. So, uh, uh, and who wouldn't? like uh, somebody running around uh, picking up their skivvies for them. Uh, elsewhere, uh, it, uh, elsewhere is inhabited by the Khajiit, uh, cat folk also commonly looked down upon as savages and thieves. Uh, the Khajiit were uh, also common slaves to the Talvani, uh, which I think is a, a great house um, in... Um, for the Dunmer, for their Dark Elves. Um, the Khajiit are a strong people who are good at sword combat and also the best thieves and assassins in Tamriel due to their balance and quiet paws. I think uh, uh, Padfoot, I think, is a common term, but I think that comes from Harry Potter, I think. And, uh, I, I mean, uh, I think uh, the, um, certainly the term uh, cat's paw uh, often uh, ah. referred to uh, um, as, you know, those with light fingers uh, who like to steal in at the dead of night and pinch all your, you know, your granny silverware. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think the term cat's paw is something that certainly uh, is applied to the Khajiit. Uh, no doubt. I, I'm pretty sure, uh, well, um, you may agree or you may not, but most uh, Khajiit that I've encountered in the game uh, have always had uh, that shifty sort of sense about them. I've never, I've never encountered a Khajiit that I'd... You know, I'd give it, uh, well, <laughs> trust with anything, really, I don't know. I wouldn't well, have them around for the house sitting, I know that's for sure. Yeah, no, I, I definitely wouldn't uh, give them the, the key to my footlocker if uh, if uh, I met any of those on the on the uh, caravan site. And even when you do talk to the ones on the caravans, um, halfway through the conversation, you find out they've been banned from half the towns in Cyrodiil, uh, and that's why they've come to Skyrim, because they're not welcome in Cyrodiil anymore. This <laughs> um, is actually um an interesting uh mod uh that you can download for skyrim on the pc there's a quest called uh return well moon's path to uh elsewhere which uh takes you to the khajiit realm of elsewhere you know for just a a brief sort of hiatus from the realm of skyrim so it's interesting to like be able to dip in and out to these different borders and see these the folk in their native homes yeah, it's definitely because um, that's one of the best things about the game is traveling from region to region to region. Is you still get all these different races, but you get to see how the individual race is in their home turf, as it were. But, yeah, uh, I mean, it, I think uh, uh, what you call it, the Nords in Skyrim, they, <laughs> as <laughs> as you'd expect with the Nord, they they do like a good, well, they they like a good fight, I suppose. They like to stir up trouble, and everything does seem to be. Uh, up front and in your face, yeah. shall we say. Whereas uh, I think the uh, when you get to elsewhere, I, I think it's um, 
it's going to be a little bit um, smaller, so there'd be, everything would be behind your back, I'd say. I think mm-hmm. that would, if you ever got to elsewhere, everything would be behind your back. It wouldn't be a Nord trying to chop your head off straight away. They'd go, no, no, that's fine. Yeah, I don't d- mind. <laughs> and then two, late, two days later, you find you've lost all your clothes or something. <laughs> well, there's a dagger in your chest. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so, um... Uh, so Sorry. after uh, elsewhere, we're going to head uh, west uh, to Valenwood, and Valenwood is inhabited by the Wood Elves or Bosma in the Elven, meaning tree sap folk. Uh, which Wood Elves, tree sap folk? Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> uh, the Bosma of Valenwood are known for being short. But due to this, they are very agile and can sneak, hunt, gather, and use a bow with very good accuracy, uh, being the best archers and rangers in Tamriel. Uh, that's probably why I've never, ever played as a wood elf. Uh, being you know, are you not partial to a, a bow and arrow? More, no, uh, more of a sword and board? or uh, no, Two-handed and conjuration is uh, my, uh, my yeah, vice, so- shall we say. Sounds like a nice mixture, but I mean, obviously, um, wood elves being good at archery, uh, are in sneaking and moving silently, being very agile. That's something that do- does borrow. Uh, well, it's, it's just a generic sort of fantasy trope, so uh, faithfully recreated there, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> very well. Uh, plus, uh, it's got its own. Um why is it uh, the, the, their own species power, which is uh, what's it a uh, command animal? I think so. That yeah. I think that suits them very well as well. I, I mean, uh, talking about uh, I suppose the race powers in particular, uh, the race power for the Red Guard is also quite interesting. That's why I play one myself. Um, their ability to well, their aversion to uh, poisons. They don't suffer constant poisoning from literally every single giant spider you encounter so that's always nice and handy to have as well i mean it is it's nice uh, or interesting to see how these different regions have influenced these race features uh in some way um obviously i suppose with the like with the bosma them being uh home to uh, a forested area they are going to be uh, one with nature yeah, so th- they wouldn't need to uh, be resistant to um, poisons because either they're going to use the archery and kill the animal before it gets close or <laughs> they're going to use command animals so it doesn't attack them, whereas exactly, the red, yeah. red guards are uh, up close and, uh, as you said, fighters, so they're going to get close up to the animal where they end up going to get poisoned a lot because they're face-to-face with it most of the time. And now that we're getting into the elves, that uh, brings us to probably everybody's favourite, the <laughs> Somerset Isles. I think uh, it's, it's hard to convey sarcasm over the airwaves, but just imagine some air quotes being uh, put in there when he says favourites. <laughs> Yeah, everybody loves uh, our next race uh, who inhabit the Somerset Isles, um, which is the Altma, or the uh, the High Elves, as they're commonly known. Uh, the Altma are very powerful with magic, and they are considered to be the best mages within Tamriel. Uh, they have a breathtaking culture, and often refer to themselves as superior for a variety of reasons. Not just one, but a variety. I quite like that. <laughs> I do always get the sense that uh, whenever I encounter a high elf in the game, of course they're looking down upon you. Me, a lonely red guard. Uh. 
Well, I think that's, uh, I mean, they also uh, add to that with their height, which uh, I, I do believe I've read somewhere that uh, they actually breed themselves to be that tall. I think they uh, genetically select uh, couples uh, to breed who are at all with each other uh, and the shorter ones and uh, the ones who are uh, vertically challenged so we let we say are sort of like uh, confirmed bachelors the last region to uh, tackle or that uh, populates tamriel that fortunately isn't home to any hiles of particular note uh is of course cyrodiil and cyrodiil is uh, the imperial province that is inhabited by imperials or as they're known locally uh, as cyrodiils um, which is the common human term for the Imperials. Uh, the Imperials form uh, the, I suppose, the empire, well, the population of the empire. Or, uh, although, um, the, I mean, obviously, I suppose, the, the Imperials make up much of the majority, uh, the history and the ancestry of the ruling uh, Septim dynasty of the empire. Although the Septim dynasty itself can at least relate some of its heraldry back to some Nordic bloodlines, and there's even some uh, Dunmeri ancestry popping up in the Septon lineage. So once again, we're encountering uh, those rather precacious uh, Septims getting about once again. Yeah, so that uh, sort of like travelling around, uh, sort of like sampling the local cuisine, shall we say. <laughs> I suppose when you are king and queen of the realm, you have the right to do so. So that is the nine uh, regions of Tamriel and the races that populate them. I think it's probably worth just going back and quickly running down who uh, lives where and where they, that is. So you've got Hammerfell, which is home to uh, the Bre- oh, sorry uh, High Rock, which is home to the Bretons and the Orcs. Uh, Hammerfell, which is home to the Red Guards. Um, Skyrim, uh, where you get the Nords. Morrowind, you've got the Dwumna, uh, the Dumna or Dark Elves. Black Marsh, uh, those lovable old Argonians and their scaly skin. Uh, elsewhere, we will find the Khajiit. Uh, Valen Wood, which is uh, inhabited by Wood Elves. Um, then Altmer and the High Elves. And of course, finally, Cyrodiil and the Imperial races. So, when, uh, no doubt, I'm sure the many of these people... Uh, uh, of quite pious and religious and everybody likes to even though there is much uh, of Tamriel to be explored everybody likes to look up to the skies and see a little bit more so why don't you, uh, Colin why don't you uh, just give us an introduction to the religions that can be found in Tamriel yeah I mean with all those people uh, having such uh, sucky lives to start off with uh, they have to believe in something to make a sense of it all. So, uh, but no doubt you've, uh, as you've encountered in game, there is a vast array, uh, array of deities and gods, or rather divines, as they're referred to in game, to be found in Tamriel. In fact, there is a, a lovely little book called "Varieties of Faith in the Empire" that lists them all. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have the hours, uh, nay, days, uh, to give the details on them all. I wish we did. I'm sure it'd be a fun time. It would. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's going to be a, a separate podcast all on its own with about <laughs> uh, 50 episodes to be able to get into that. Certainly, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> 
so let's just say there certainly isn't a shortage of shrines to pry at when you uh, suddenly contract vampirism. But it seems that all these gods, deities, and divines can be split into two groups, uh, them being the Aedra and the Daedra. Uh, uh, we all know, I think we've all recognised that last one there. Hmm. Uh, the we, we, we have all encountered our fair few Daedra in game, like either to the benefit or not. I mean, summoning a Daedra can be handy at times, but I, certainly those Daedra quests can be rather topsy-turvy, twisty-twiny, absolutely madness and insane. Yeah, sometimes you can't uh, turn around without stubbing your toe on a Daedra sometimes. And then <laughs> other, other times you're searching for high and low for one to try and uh, get yourself a nice little... I don't know, advantage, you know, a nice shield or a new sword to play with. Or even even a Daedric heart, which can form the the base ingredients of some vital potion. Yeah. There's, there is a, there's many uses for Daedra, to be sure. <laughs> so now we... Uh, right, let's start off with um, the, the Aedra. And the Aedra is an Ulmer term for ancestor. And... Um, and follows the belief that the Ultima are direct descendants of the immortal ancestors. The Aedra are often referred to as the creators. There are eight Aedra, and they are believed to have created the mortal world uh, along with Tiber Septum. They make up the nine divines. Which is, uh, I think they um, started off, um, I think it was Alessia when she started off the Empire. Uh, uh, I, th- I think they're all elves, aren't they? The the Aedra, uh, with, um, the, with the exception, the, of- with the exception of uh, Tiber Septum. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, of course, uh, the Ying to uh, the Aedra's Yang, I suppose, is the Daedra, as we've mentioned. Uh, the Daedra consists of 16 different Daedric princes, some of note that we've previously mentioned being Molag Bal and Mayrun's Dagon. And of course, there is an endless horde of lesser Daedra, often referred to as demons by the human races of Tamriel. So, I mean, obviously, as we mentioned, there is a vast endless variety of shrines, religions, deities, gods to be worshipped within Tamriel. But I think those two categories touch upon what everything does tend to come under. You know, there's good, bad, uh, evil, heaven, hell, whatnot. Indifferent, yeah. uh, Um, I I don't understand the Julianos one, but uh, I like it when uh, getting ready to go out and do my shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Or is that my Zenithar? Yeah, no, no, that's my Zenithar, isn't it? Julianos is all magic regen, and then, but uh, Zenithar, go out there and uh, do some shopping with Zenithar's help. (laughs) So, um, finally, I think the last little bit uh, I'd like to touch upon on Tamriel before we close out the show is that fair few races that just don't quite have a region to call their own. Obviously we've listed the various provinces and who live there for races such as the Khajiit, Bretons, Imperials Red Guards, Nords, High Elves, Wood Elves and of course not forgetting the Orcs. But there are some that we've previously mentioned quite extensively uh, who used to occupy places in Tamriel but just no longer have a place to call their own. 
The snow elves, uh, who suffered genocide at the hands of the Dwemner races, eventually uh, descended into the Felmer wretches that we all know and love and filled out those caves, hobbles, hides, hideaways up in the outer reaches of Skyrim and the, the high mountains there. And then you've also got the Dwemner people themselves, who are often referred to as dwarves by the races of men. They are now mysteriously uh, extinct from the world. Uh, the whole race literally disappeared during the Battle of the First Council and the Battle of the Red Mountain, where they were erased from existence by the Chimer race. Now, am I, do you reckon I'm saying that right? The Chimer, Chimer? Yeah, I, I would go with Chimer. It's, All right, we'll stick with Chimer for now. It's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> the uh, the Chimer are a cult of high elves who were cursed by the Daedric Prince Azura. The curse turned their skin dark and their eyes red, and they eventually became the Dwemner race, or rather the Dark Elves. Now, of course, the original rulers of the province of Cyrodiil were the Aelids. And I'm sure we've all enjoyed plenty of time plundering those Aelid ruins when we played through Oblivion. Now, the Aelids were a mysterious race, and all that seems to be left behind were their Welkid Stones. These Welkid Stones are similar to Soul Gems in that the fact that they can be used to craft and power magical items and spells. There's even some rumours of uh, great Welkid Stones existing, which are similar to Azura's Star in the fact that they are Soul Gems and Welkid Stones that can be used uh, literally unlimited. Finally, of course, who can forget those great big lumbering brutes, the lovable giants? Oh. Yep. These gargantuan humanoids can often be found in Skyrim and High Rock. They enjoy herding mammoths, making cheese, you know, just wandering, strolling about, getting a good uh, roasted skeever cooking on that fire. They sound lovely, don't they? Yeah, a nice bit of uh, skeever fondue sounds uh, <laughs> really nice. But uh, uh, for some reason, they don't seem to uh, appreciate when I come to join in. <laughs> they don't, they're not always keen on sharing, are they? <laughs> No, I, I I should have paid special attention to uh, that massive club that they seem to uh, rather want to swing in my direction. <laughs> well, I suppose, there, I mean, there is an awful lot more to be found about Tamriel over at the official Elder Scrolls wiki pages and the unofficial Elder Scrolls wiki pages. But I think... Hopefully, we've managed to give you a brief insight into what Tamriel actually is. We've got the geographical information, you know, 12 million square kilometers, the nine different provinces of the Somerset Isles, Black Marsh, Skyrim, High Rock, Hammerfell, Morrowind, Elsewhere, Valen Woods, and Cyrodiil. There's the variety of races, the different religions, the Eadra and the Deidre. Uh, I mean, Tamriel really is a fully developed, thriving, uh, populated world with a deep and extensive history. Um, do you have any passing thoughts on Tamriel now, Colin, before we close out the show? Uh, it's sometimes to think about it, it's uh, a little bit too much. You know, uh, I think there's got more history in Tamriel than, than they do in Ireland. I think you could probably read the entire history of Ireland in an afternoon. 
<laughs> but uh, when you come to uh, trying to read the history of Tamriel, uh, it's an endless supply, and it's always been added to, and it looks like it has no end with the with the amount of stuff that looks like it could be coming our way, hopefully next year. I certainly, I mean, uh, when you, I think, comparing the history and just simply the map of Tamriel to other fantasy worlds, such as. Uh, you know, Game of Thrones in the world of Westeros and Lord of the Rings and the Middle Earth. I mean, Tamriel itself, it certainly is comparable in size and scope. And it's literally, there is still more to be had as, as you say, games are still forthcoming. So I think the Elder Scrolls really, uh, well, and the, the region of Tamriel really is quite impressive. Yeah, I mean, it, the, as I said, we've had uh, five games, um, and uh, we have nine regions uh, on Tamriel itself, so we can uh, we have that to look forward to. But uh, as you brought up earlier on, when we have uh, the other um, continents on Tamriel, so we still have the rest of Nern as well to get into. Do you, do you ever think, um, or do you ever see in the future uh, an Elder Scrolls game taking place beyond the borders of Tamriel? Uh, it would. It's good to think of. I mean, um, you could not only do you have um, the other continents, but even the other realms. I mean, we've been to a few of the, uh, let's say the the Daedric realms, but uh, what about the um, uh, the Aedra realms there, the Divines? What about their realms? Is it, is it possible to go there? Mm, it'll certainly be uh, fascinating to encounter maybe more of these uh, deities in game in future games certainly um do you think uh i suppose tamriel really does have it all it's got you know vast oceans uh glorious grassy plains endless forest massive mountain ranges do you think geographically there or culturally maybe even there's is there any aspect of tamriel you think is missing I think not. I mean, uh, I mean, they they definitely went to town on everything you can have because you can have uh, like uh, the snowy region of Skyrim, and then you get the the badlands of uh, of elsewhere, and also the was it the deserts of Hammerfell, mountains of High Rock, uh, and then all, then you've got uh, Black Marsh, which obviously is going to be a giant marsh. But um, it's a very tropical swampland, I believe. Yeah, I mean it's. I, I'm fascinated. Well, I mean, I'm intrigued by every region in Tamriel that we ha- that we're yet to explore because they all do sound rather geographically uh, interesting. But Black Marsh, in particular, would uh, certainly be an avid change of pace from what we've, we've experienced so far. Yeah, uh, that, and I also want to see what Valen Wood is like. Apparently, they have um, uh, was it migrating trees that have cities that live within them. So, uh, wow, <laughs> <laughs> that does sound fascinating. So, I uh, mean, I, I understand that. Although I haven't played the Elder Scrolls online myself, I do understand that uh, every region is open uh, to explore in that game in particular. But I think, uh, as is the drawbacks of an MMO, um, I don't think we've will we've seen, uh, we'll see each region on the true scale that uh, we know an Elder Scrolls game can deliver. So uh, I certainly can't wait to experience those other regions further on. Well, <laughs> I think uh, there's little more to say now on the region of Tamriel and the history uh, that surrounds it. 
hopefully we've uh, educated you, fa- you fellow uh, uh, Elder Scrolls adventurers uh, on the region of Tamriel, and you know you'll be a little bit more world weary as you're exploring. Uh, I think the last thing to do now is just to uh, thank the Elder Scrolls wiki and the unofficial Elder Scrolls wiki pages where we gathered all of our valuable information. Uh, uh, I'd, also, I'd also like to thank uh, you yourself, Ben, for your extensive show notes. They were uh, an invaluable resource. <laughs> I, uh, thank you very much. And I would like to thank you, Colin, uh, for joining me to discuss the region at Tamriel. Anytime, man. So I think while we're thanking everybody here, uh, the last thing to say is, um, I suppose, if you have any questions or any queries, if you want to know more about the history of Tamriel, hit, hit, send any questions into uh, a SkyrimAddict at gmail.com with the subject line Skyrim Addict Academy. Uh, you can also find, join the Skyrim Addicts Facebook page and Twitter accounts uh, and get, uh, you know, get involved with the Skyrim Addicts community. Well, I think that's it for this week's episode of Skyrim Addicts Academy. Class dismissed, and please join me next week where we'll be taking a deeper look at Tamria as we tackle the province of Cyrodiil. But for now, guys, thank you and goodbye. Thanks. Bye.